Hey, and welcome to another episode of Fast Forward, a podcast from QSR Magazine, where we talk to the founders, innovators, and entrepreneurs behind some of the world's most exciting fast casual restaurant concepts. My name is Sam Okus. I am the editor of QSR and the editorial director of Food News Media. Today, I'm sharing a conversation with Russ DeGilio. He is the founder and CEO of Duck Donuts, a donut franchise that has grown to about 90 locations in the U.S. and globally with plans to grow even more. Before I jump into today's conversation, I do first want to tell you about another restaurant podcast that I think you're really going to like. Restaurant Unstoppable is one of the industry's longest-running podcasts with an incredibly deep archive of interviews featuring everyone from restaurant executives to chefs to authors and industry consultants. Host Eric Cacciatore believes that behind every great restaurant is a great person. Tune in to Restaurant Unstoppable wherever you listen to podcasts, see what greatness looks like, and start aiming for greatness in your own life. Now, back to our program. Now, I have mentioned on this podcast before that I have a daughter who, as I record this, is three years old, and my daughter loves sweets. She loves chocolate. She loves candy. She loves popsicles. She loves anything that is sweet. I'm, I'm sure that's really not so abnormal for a three-year-old girl, but one of the things that she loves the most is donuts. This is really a special thing for her, and every so often on a Saturday morning, my daughter and I will go and get donuts, and we usually go to our local Duck Donuts. There's a reason for this, and it's not just the delicious donuts. Duck Donuts does this really great job of making an experience out of the donut shop. Yes, they have a wide range of delicious donuts and several toppings that you can either customize or get a signature donut, and they have seasonal menus. It's all really exciting on the menu. But a part of that experience also is this opportunity to watch the donuts being made. You can watch the assembly line process as the donuts roll down and get fried and pop out, get the toppings on, and, and out comes this fresh, hot, delicious donut. And that is a really special experience for someone like my three-year-old daughter. But also, Duck Donuts does a really wonderful job with their branding, the duck being the central figure and icon of the brand. They sell all these rubber ducks in a big bucket out in front of the counter which, of course, as I mentioned here in this conversation, can be a little bit hard for a parent who then has to buy all of these rubber ducks for their kid. Uh, but it's special, and it's an experience, and that's really why my daughter loves Duck Donuts so much. Founder Russ DeGilio started the brand in Duck, North Carolina in 2007. Uh, there on the Outer Banks as this great boardwalk donut shop in a very touristy area. Uh, but since then, he has moved the brand to Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, and opened up franchising through which he has grown across the country. Now, one thing about Duck Donuts that is interesting is they only do cake donuts. They don't do yeast donuts, which is, of course, what Krispy Kreme and Dunkin' Donuts specialize in. But as Russ talks about in our conversation here, he really sees that as a point of differentiation and, and, and hasn't heard necessarily from customers that they want to add a yeast donut. So obviously it's working for them with around 90 location and plans for many, many more around the world. I started by having Russ talk a little bit about how he he got into this business. He wasn't in restaurants before, uh, but then did decide to open Duck Donuts in 2007. And he started our conversation by telling me a little bit more about that. Uh, in 2005, I was with my family on Memorial Day weekend. And I had been in the healthcare business at that time, about 25 years, had my own business management company, owned senior care facilities, just relaxing. And we were reminiscing really about donuts we used to get as kids on the boardwalk and there was nothing 
there were no donut shops in the Outer Banks at the time. It's kind of the charm of the Outer Banks. Yeah. There's not a whole lot going on, and it's just relaxing. So we said, well, let's see what we can do about changing that and maybe come up with our own concept. And we did. Took took a little while and finally came up with the concept of a beachy type of store that's, you know, people are on vacation, they're not in a hurry, and we can make donuts for them and they can watch while they wait. Yeah. They have the time to do that. And for the first two years, we finally opened in 2007, and actually concurrently in Kitty Hawk and Duck. Um, and for the first two years, 2007, 2008 was abysmal. Uh, we mm. just struggled. Nobody knew who we were. We used to celebrate $300 days uh, of sales, which today is just, if in, in the peak season, we're doing $7,000, $8,000 a day. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's changed quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. But we, we struggled, and but we prevailed. Uh, uh-huh. the, the third year that we were operating, we broke even. And that kind of told me that this, this is going to have legs. Mm-hmm. It's starting to catch on. So we did another store in Kill Devil Hills. And then a year after that, we did one in Corolla. Okay. And they're all about five to eight miles apart from one another. And by that time, uh, it was just going gangbusters. People just couldn't wait to come down. They would write in on our website during the winter, oh, we can't wait for uh, for summer, come down the Outer Banks, get Duck Donuts. And it just continued to uh, inquire, you know, we come to our hometown, we have franchise, and I didn't want any parts of that. I didn't want to start a new business. I had a, sure. a healthcare business. I thought my career would end, end there. And this would, we just did it for fun, honestly, uh, to see how it would go. So there we have four stores open and uh, printing money, really. And uh, it was just awesome, a seasonal business. Yeah. But uh, it became so overwhelming with people requesting. I thought, you know what, if we do not give this a try, we're going to kick ourselves. Yeah. So we did. And so we then went and put everything together and it took a while it, it's like a stock offering you, you got to put your manuals together and your marketing plan and do all these filings and uh 2013 it took us a couple of years to pull all that together we were going back to uh people had written in inquiring about that and lo and behold we had a couple in williamsburg virginia our first very first franchisee still in operation today mm-hmm. and still doing well uh and they took the plunge and that was the beginning now, uh, Williamsburg is about two hours uh, outside of Outer Banks. We already had name recognition, and we had uh, the newspapers there and radio, and it was a big deal, the opening of Duck Donuts in Williamsburg, and it was thrilling. Yeah. They get that kind of uh, uh, press and coverage. And the, after that, we went to uh, Virginia Beach, and after that, we went to um, Richmond. Mm, mm-hmm. Again, we had a lot of name recognition, a lot of fanfare, and did very well. The first challenge that we had was in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, really? No one heard of us. Uh, people there vacationed in Myrtle Beach. Yep. And uh, Topsail or yeah. Topsail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it took about. We opened it right before Christmas, I remember, in December, and it took about three months, and they were they were just killing it. Mm. And, and it just kind of proved to me that. We don't have to be in a resort area. Mm-hmm. We don't have to, people don't necessarily have to know who we are, but if we're well placed and we got the right partnership with franchisees, this could play anywhere because people generally they, they love donuts. Yeah, donuts aren't a, a beach item. Obviously, duck donuts originating on the beach, you know, maybe gives it that vibe, but everywhere in the country loves donuts. Right. So it's not like you have a seafood business that you're trying to get inland or anything exactly. like that. So you said you had a healthcare business before. Had you ever worked in a restaurant? Never worked in a restaurant. 
In fact, uh, I put the the, uh, the components of uh, the concept together and and the artwork. I worked with an artist and put all that together. What I didn't have was any food experience. So uh, a gentleman that worked for my healthcare business took care of all the the dining services that we did. I uh, gave him some sweat equity to help me out, put operations to it, nice. and, and he did. And uh, and we were partners for a while. He has since uh, uh, left, but did a great job, and uh, we were off to the races. Was there a learning curve there for you in getting into the restaurant industry? Uh, not really. I I, fo- I let him take care of the the food part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew what we what we wanted. We did a lot of testing with mixes and shortenings to try to come up with the right combination. And I knew when we finally did that this is it. And uh, so, as I said, he put the operations to it, and uh, we started uh, slow, but eventually caught on and continues today. It is such an interesting thing to think about running a business in a beach town because of the seasonality, but also because, as we all know, you know, you go to the beach for a week and then you leave, and then a whole new group of people comes in for a week and then leaves. What were some things that you did to secure customer loyalty and to sort of capture that really transient nature of the Outer Banks? They had to taste the donut, uh-huh. quite frankly. Uh, we, we went out, we went to uh, visitor bureaus and uh, put out flyers and anything we could, all the rental properties that were there. Um, we, we did advertising with, with those agencies. And as I said, it took a couple of years, but people are pretty loyal to the Outer Banks and they kept coming back and then they started looking for us. And even today, uh, a lot of our growth is, is just kind of organic and people trying our donuts and, and that's what makes them want to come back. The idea of watching the donuts be made, at what point did you land on that being such a signature to Duck that, Donuts? That was from the very beginning. Anyone can, can make a donut. Yeah. And we thought we had the right combination for a great donut, but we wanted it to be entertaining as well. So we put the glass up and we put a, a, a step stool or a stepping stone for, for kids. They can press their noses against the glass and watch it being made. And it just clicked. I mean, kids just, kids love going and watching their donuts being made, even big kids, even the adults. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it takes a few minutes if we're really doing it right, five to seven minutes for a from scratch made to order donut. Um, it's not a real long time. And, having the opportunity to watch everything. We do nothing behind closed doors, so having the opportunity to watch the entire process is, is entertaining as well. Yeah. And that's kind of our niche. It's uh, making great donuts, but we're, we're also entertaining our, our guests. Yeah. Obviously, there's Dunkin' Donuts is out there. You know, there's other donut shops. And, and you guys, I mean, in the mid-2000s, I think that was before there was a little boomlet of donut shops that kind of took off around the country. But... You know, outside of the uh, being able to watch your donuts be made, how how can you how did you position Duck Donuts to be able to kind of rise above that competition? Both Krispy Kreme, Dunkin', really good brands, but it's not what we do. Uh, we don't really compete with them from a standpoint of what we have to offer. We're a cake donut, completely made from scratch. They're yeast donuts, uh, and for the most part, they're racked. We we do not rack our donuts. Uh, anywhere. So you walk into our shop, you're going to say, well, where are the donuts? Well, order one, we'll make it for you. It, that, that's the difference. So in, in a sense, we're, we're disrupting the, the donut. We, we believe we're disrupting the donut industry because we're doing it a little bit different and we're adding an experience on top of great donuts. And uh, that's, that's what differentiates us. And that's why uh, 
we're kind of in a league of our own right now, and uh, we're, we're excited about our growth plans and, and trying to get this across the country and across the world. Did you ever think that you might add a yeast donut? Was there ever any pressure to do that or, or demand from customers or anything? Never. Yeah. No. In fact, I remember early on, uh, customers would come in and say, nah, I just like yeast donuts. And we'd say, well, just try one. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's funny. And this was in our Kitty Hawk store. A woman came in. We gave her a couple donuts. She left. And honest to God, two minutes later, she came back and said, oh, my God, these are the best donuts I ever had. <laughs> so in a sense, if we can get people to to try them when they're when they're warm and they're made to order, they are they are out of this world. I, yeah. I will admit that. Well, one thing, too, I, I like about Duck Donuts is, I mean, the range of toppings that you guys have available is is really, you know, I think second to none. And not only that, the options for, you know, kind of customizing and, and doing whatever you want. And um, how much did that become a part of the Duck Donuts identity? And how much was that sort of, I mean, was that from the outset what you wanted to provide? Yes, that was that was what I remember as a kid. And that's what I wanted to replicate and, and I think we made it even better than uh, I remember as a child. But that's the basis for our entire business is a, a vanilla cake donut, a little crispy on the outside, light and fluffy on the inside, and, and it's delicious. Mm -hmm. Now, I will tell you that it, it creates challenges for us because we're constantly looking to be innovative and come up with, we're not the same company that we were 12 years ago when we first started, and we have made changes. So now we do donut holes and uh, we have donut sundaes and we have breakfast sandwiches with the base being a donut. And yeah. So we're, we're trying to be as creative as we can possibly be uh, with different offerings. But we're also, we look at uh, different toppings and uh, icings and uh, we have seasonal offerings to, to change it up. We don't, no pun intended, we don't want the concept to go stale with our customers. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly looking for ways to make it uh, a little bit different. We've also gone to fillings. We, we have an apple pie being offered right now. We're uh, in the middle of the donut is a is uh, real apple filling that is just, we can't keep it in the store. It's just, it's very popular right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a buttercream filling as well. So uh, drizzles and toppings and sprinkles and all different ways to to make the donut just uh, a little bit better than just being plain sure or a novelty right because i, I think that some people get this idea of the, the donut the donut as a novelty and there are some donut shops around the country that thrive on that and that's that's fine but you know you guys i've never walked into a duck donuts and seen something where it felt like you were doing it for the headline uh, is that true or do you, is there some pressure to try to do some of that stuff where you're trying to kind of wow people with these crazy flavors? No, we, we like being traditional. Um, it's a traditional cake donut and uh, we, we don't want to be viewed as trendy. Mm -hmm. uh, so we like where, where we are. And I will mention one other thing. We are stepping out a little bit and we're testing a, a chocolate cake donut. Oh, okay. And uh, we're, we're coming, it's been about six to eight months now we've been doing a lot of testing with it but we're hoping that it's going to come that'll come out probably more like a, um, a limited time offer uh, but we're excited about that and I, we know we have customers that are excited about trying to, yeah. the same concept with a chocolate based donut. Now it strikes me thinking about you know the equipment and the kitchen and and the process of watching the donuts be made 
this seems so easily scalable because it just seems like everything is, I mean, certainly not cheap, I'm sure, but it seems pretty straightforward and you don't have to add, you know, you're not going to add like meat to the menu and have a, a donut burger that which requires, you know, a flat top or anything like that. So to me, I think this just feels so scalable. Did, was that, did that cross your mind early on, even in those slow days? Did you just think to yourself, like, if only I got some momentum, I could open one of these in every town in America? Um, I get asked that a lot. Mm -hmm. How big do you want to be? Do you want to be in every town in America? Uh, only if it, if it makes sense. And we are at a size now. We have about 83 stores. By the end of this year, we'll have uh, about 100 operational stores with quite a few in the pipeline. Um, it's, it's more important to me and I know to our, to our group that those stores are successful before we move forward. And we're still gathering information and analyzing demographics and what's the best fit for our, for our stores. But, but you're right, it is scalable. Um, just don't know um, where, where all we're going right now, but we're having fun getting there. We're, uh, we're across the country. We uh, have... Uh, we have our first international store in Chile. Mm -hmm. uh, we just signed a, uh, a, a with a group out of uh, Saudi Arabia for ten stores, and in Dubai for five stores. Uh, so that's uh, that's exciting to us. Puerto Rico will be opening, if not the end of this year, uh, beginning of next year. And we have interest in other countries. In um, Australia is coming in, Canada. So uh, it's not just the United States anymore. And yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. And you mentioned the, the first franchisee in Williamsburg, and then you started to, to, to grow out from there. And I, you kind of mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of people who vacation in Outer Banks. That was how they got to know the business and then wanted to franchise from there. Tell me about that franchisee relationship process. And like, you know, I'm sure you get a ton of requests from people who maybe are not qualified to be franchisees, but what is the perfect fit? For a Duck Donuts franchisee, who are you looking for in, in that partnership? Well, that, that's evolved as well. Yeah. In the beginning, you know, there's a lot of learning going on when uh, you're doing something for the first time. And I learned very quickly that uh, enthusiasm does not equal success because we had people coming to us that just loved our brand and were just so enthusiastic. But it didn't always work out with, in terms of business. So we are far more stringent with... Uh, in the interview process and making sure they have business plans, they have business sense, uh, they have good people skills. Um, there's a lot more to it than uh, just saying, hey, I think this is going to work in my hometown and I'm really excited about it. And I'm sure you get to a certain size too where you can, you probably have the luxury of being picky because now so many more people know about Doug Donuts, right? Um, I don't know if luxury is the word, but it, it's a necessity mm -hmm. because we don't want fa nobody wants failure, and right. it's not fair to them. It's not fair to us. And uh, you have it from time to time. It's just inevitable, but we try and minimize it just by having a better process on uh, scrutinizing who we want to partner with because we really do take it as a as a partnership. We we don't sell a franchise and say, hey, good luck to you. Uh, we'll sell you all the products and keep it going. We are we are involved. Uh, all the time from both a marketing and operations support standpoint, we are uh, fully engaged with them on an ongoing basis. So when you guys started out at the Outer Banks and you, you really learned how to market to that sort of transient community, that seasonal community, that the beach vibes, you know, a little bit unique compared to maybe other obviously towns across America. And then you start growing outside of beach community, you start growing into, you know, regular towns. 
what kind of shift was there in the marketing approach? Because you're marketing to people one way in these beach communities, but I imagine it must change in some other communities. So tell me about that shift in the, in the marketing approach. Well, it, it has evolved. Early on, it was just local community marketing. But as, as we've grown, we've become far more sophisticated, and we, we have uh, uh, field marketing managers that work with our franchisees. They develop uh, calendars for the year, so there's a, a specific plan each year on uh, an approach on how they're going to be out in the community selling uh, selling donuts and, and getting the name out there in our brand. Um, it's a little bit of a challenge in on the East Coast, not so much because we have a huge presence on the East Coast. It gets a little bit more challenging as we get further away in the middle part of America and on the West Coast where we're, we have limited uh, numbers of, of stores and uh, but we're always encouraging our franchisees to work together where we can to uh, to have a, a great presence in the market and charitable efforts as well being a big part of that yeah we have a quack gives back program that's a way to stay connected to our our local communities uh, through sporting programs and uh, churches and schools and uh, raising money for different groups and and also uh, people need uh, it's up to the franchisee but uh, we have our whole program built around that so it makes it easy for them to stay connected with their community so speaking of that donuts to me are they just seem like such a, a community oriented food right I mean that's it's especially a group oriented product offering in that, you know, I'm on my way to work, I swing into Duck Donuts for a dozen donuts and bring them into my coworkers, right? So how do you set your, your brand up for success in that regard, especially today when this off-premises is exploding, you know, third-party delivery and all these things, what are some ways that Duck Donuts becomes very accessible beyond the restaurant? Well, we, we target three groups, um, families, but primarily moms with kids, mm -hmm. just love it. Um, and then what we call um, our uh, office heroes, where we have people bringing uh, donuts or office meetings or just to say thank you to their employees. And then uh, we have millennial snackers that they're not buying volume of donuts, but they love to come in for a couple of donuts and coffee. Yeah. Um, so for our off-premise, we off-premises business, we, we do uh, a lot of catering work, uh, we do weddings, uh, uh, all kinds of uh, groups that uh, buying volume of, of donuts. Uh, we have online ordering, so uh, for people that don't have the time to come in and have, uh, have the experience, they can come in and their donuts are waiting for them, already paid for, and out the door they go. So uh, we're trying to stay as uh, current as we possibly can with uh, offering to customers like any other brand, and uh, and it's it's working very well for us. Now here in High Point, North Carolina, you also have a food truck now rolling out. That seems like that becomes also a big part of this getting donuts to the customers, not necessarily the customers coming to the donuts. Does that seem like a kind of a, a a good opportunity for the brand in general to start rolling those out? It's a great opportunity. It gives us great exposure with either it's either a truck or a a trailer and it's all wrapped with our, our information on it and uh, it's, it's quite a sight and, and very entertaining just to look at but it's been very successful going to different events, uh, weekend uh, gatherings of uh, groups and we, our truck is parked there and uh, it, it does very very well. So uh, that's 
we're, we're looking, we're kind of looking outside of the box uh, from just your traditional uh, strip center store and looking into other venues. We're, we have a, uh, a new store that just uh, opened in Penn State campus. Mm. It's in the right, uh, their skating rink and now has access throughout the day for students, not just for certain events. Uh, we are in a theater in Richmond, Altria Theater. So we're looking at different ways to uh, um, position ourselves to, to sell donuts. We're also uh, looking at kiosks. Uh, we're very excited about, uh, we have a deal with the Mall of America, franchisee there that um, will be opening in the next couple of months, which would give us tremendous exposure. That. Uh, with the number of people that go through there. Uh, we're really excited about that opportunity, getting our word out. Yeah, so for a lot of that stuff, it's, I mean, is that franchisee led? I mean, when you talk about the Penn State uh, deal or the, the theater, is this something where a franchisee comes to you and says, I got this great opportunity and I think we should do it? Or how does that work? It's a little bit of both. Okay. But in that case, yes, they came to us, um, made, have been talking with the school and came to an ar arrangement, worked with us and, we did the, uh, the fit out for them and uh, we're going to see how it works. And if it works well there, then obviously uh, uh, it, it'll work well in other areas. And mm -hmm. uh, that's why we're trying different different types of venues to see where else this concept will will uh, reach customers and expand the brand. And, and on that, in that same vein, I mean, do you try to also figure out how to make it a non-breakfast item? Because donuts to so many people seem like breakfast. But are you using these unique opportunities and venues to try to make it maybe a dessert or a snack or whatever? Most of our stores are open till 7, 8 o'clock in the evening. And yes, uh, it, it is a great dessert item, especially when we've added in the, the ice cream. Uh, we, we try and partner with local creameries wherever we can. If not, we, uh, we have a Briars brand that we, that we use, great ice cream. And uh, yeah, it's a, a after dinner and stop over and, and uh, have dessert. Not only are we trying to be innovative with our donuts, but we're, we've focused on our, our beverages and we've moved beyond just having coffees and maybe espresso. We, we've gotten more into the frozen beverages, both caffeinated and non-caffeinated for the kids. And it, something that's really uh, taken everyone by surprise and it's been very popular are milkshakes. Kids just love them and um, People love the ice cream, and it's so far it's going very, very well. Great. So I've got to ask about the branding of the duck, because as the parents of a three-year-old who's obsessed with the rubber ducks that you guys have in your restaurants, the merch strategy you guys have is is so smart to me. Uh, and 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 to have all of the ducks with different wearing different things and all that stuff means that I have to start collecting them now for my, my three-year-old. <laughs> which thank you for that. You're um, welcome. Yeah, but. Uh, that seems so smart to me, and I am wondering how much, and you have some of the beach vibes, you bring those, that into the, some of the store design as well, but how do you package all of this into sort of an overall brand and, and use that to really you know, become something to the customer? How much does merchandise play a part of that? How much does the beach vibe play a part of that? You know, uh, It's probably more beach vibe than, than merchandise. In, in our resort markets, uh, those types of items are very popular, but mm -hmm. in just regular uh, hometown, not not so much. Except for the ducks, that's yeah. very kids just love those, and we can't keep them on the shelf. But t-shirts and mugs and things like that, not so much. But when people are on vacation, they they like to buy, and and that does very well for us. Sure.
And so talking about loyalty, that's something that you're thinking about too in, in building customer loyalty. What are the strategies behind being able to do that? Well, we're more than thinking about it. We're very close to rolling out our lo loyalty program, um, Duck Donuts Rewards, and uh, we're excited about that. And people, once that is in place, people will be able to order from their phone, pay from their phone, and, um, and also uh, get great rewards for every donut. They'll get a certain number of points and be able to build up and, and use that for uh, future purchases. Everything app-based. Everything app-based. Another way to build loyalty, I think I mentioned that earlier, was uh, we're trying to keep it interesting and uh, coming up with new, new ideas for toppings. Uh, we have seasonal flavors. It always kind of changing it so there's another reason for a customer to come back into our store. Yeah. You, you touched on this a little bit before about this idea of innovation. You, you're doing menu innovation. You're, you're thinking of new flavors. But going back to, to the loyalty piece of this and the app, you know, there's, there's a whole technology component in the restaurant industry that is uh, you got to keep up with all the newest technology advancements and things like that. So what, is, what does innovation broadly look like to Duck, and how do you keep ahead of that and, and, and also at the same time balance the fact that you're sort of a you know, down-home authentic donut shop? I'm comfortable that we're, as far as innovation goes, that we're keeping up with online ordering and we'll have a loyalty program soon. But there's other troubling uh, things for business in general, specifically wages, uh, sometimes out of our control where certain wage levels are going to be mandated and how do you deal with that? You can only raise your prices so so much, uh, you can only cut labor so much and still keep the same type of family uh, type of uh, environment and make it enticing for families that want to come. So we're keeping our eyes open, hypothetically maybe. Uh, uh, we would pursue some automation of some kind, but that would be uh, that would be tricky because we certainly don't want to lose the the, the uh, human interaction and uh, and everything that we built this company on. So there are, there probably are some ways to uh, to innovate uh, and automate, but uh, we're still working on that. Nothing definitive right now. Okay, you mentioned labor. Everybody obviously is talking about that. Everybody is worried about that. What else is keeping you up at night? What are the things that are the biggest challenges out there today? Well, actually, uh, uh, one thing that I'm happy about it is we just uh, uh, hired a company to do a, a brand health check on us and went to two of our biggest markets. And we were pleased to hear that uh, they weren't so pleased because they wanted to sell more services, but uh, <laughs> that we... In fact, our, our brand health is very, very strong. Mm. Um, but some of the issues that we have are really just brand awareness. And I think that'll come as our brand uh, expands. But we still, we, we can't wait for that. We're trying to find ways that we could be more top of mind with, with our customers. We're viewed more like a, a, a special donut shop versus one that we could just pop in, grab a donut and a coffee, and go. Uh, because we're we're so heavily uh, viewed as being part of uh, parties and weddings and uh, social events and uh, tailgating and whatever, we do a lot of catering, and people see us as well. That, that's a, that's a special kind of donut, but. We could be an everyday doing it too, uh, so we have to change uh, some mindset. So that's probably uh, one of the biggest challenges that we have right now. It must help that I mean 
this is not a super overly complex business. I mean, obviously there's complexities to any business, but you don't have a menu of 150 items. You don't have a staff of 30 people in every restaurant. Uh, do you find that there are efficiencies to the Duck Donuts model that help in an environment that you have today? Well, part of our, our makeup is in, in our, uh, our process has always been keep it simple. Um, but just stepping back to, uh, to that a little bit, um, one of the other challenges that uh, we're, we're faced with is consistency. So because we make our donuts completely from scratch, trying to get, make the perfect donut for every customer every time, whether it be in the Outer Banks or in Huntington Beach, California, I mean, that keeps me up at night. That's, uh, and, and while we say keep it simple, we're trying to keep it simple for our customer. For us, there is a bit of a science to it because uh, there's temperatures of, of mix and a certain amount of water and that temperature and uh, how long it, uh, there's a whole process to getting the donut batter exactly right. And then once it's being cooked, that temperature has to be right for the right amount of time. And so th it, there is a science to it, which we have nailed down, but training is extremely important part of uh, what we do and trying to keep our franchisees uh, up on uh, best techniques and making sure that they are uh, then training their staff to make sure that we have that same great donut no matter where whatever store you go to. Sure. Well, what about like uh, like health? I mean, have, did you guys find that you are at all become a part of the health conversation and, and, and making things healthier? Or do you find that donuts occupy maybe a space outside of that conversation? Donuts are a treat. Yeah. And we don't uh, we don't have any delusions that people are eating donuts every single day, um, every now and again. And that's why uh, our markets that we go into need to be a substantial size so that it allows for uh, that changeover of people. Where we have the Outer Banks, where we automatically have people coming in every new group of people coming in every week. We don't have that in neighborhoods. Sure. It's the same people. So those neighborhoods have to have to have a, a large number of people to draw from. Sure. Surprisingly, our donuts, uh, calorie-wise, it's about a little over two, 200 calories for a donut, which uh, that's a bare donut. But um, it's not an unreasonable number of calories to, for someone to have to, in, to have a little bit of sweetness in their life and to enjoy a donut. But we are exploring other uh, possibilities, vegan being one. And um, I'm sure uh, in not too distant future, we're going to be testing that in, in some markets that kind of demand that, especially on the West Coast, that are looking for that type of donut. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier you you have a deal now for uh, the Middle East and you also have uh, you have opened in Chile right already opened yes um, what kind of translation happens for donuts between countries I mean in the states donuts are pretty embedded but do you find that's the case in other countries too um, there are donuts in other countries yeah they're already there mm -hmm. so we're not we're not trailblazers in that respect um, but what they do not have is a made-to-order concept. That none that we found uh, just yet. So we're excited about that opportunity to bring something completely different to these countries. And in um, Chile so far, it's uh, there's just one store right now and more are coming. So they're experiencing some of the, the growth uh, problems that we had when we first started in 2007 in the Outer Banks. But 
the feedback that we have gotten, people love them. It's just that we have to expand the brand just like we have to do in the United States. In the Middle East, it's exciting because those folks are very family oriented. Um, they love coffee, they love sweets, and uh, we think that this will play very well in those markets. And we're really excited to open our first stores. So last question for you, Russ, is thinking back to, you know, when you first opened this business in, in the Outer Banks and, and thinking about all the things you've learned since then as a, as a business owner and entrepreneur, what is your advice to other people getting into the food service space? To somebody who is an entrepreneur, has this big idea, wants to open a restaurant, what would you tell them? Well, for those who want to open up a donut business, I say you better not. <laughs> Don't become a competitor. <laughs> Don't become a competitor. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, I would say, it, and I, I approach this with any business that I've had, and I've had others, that it, you have to be passionate about what you do, and you have to be able and willing to take risk and and to take some lumps because it's, nothing is easy and uh, uh you just have to apply yourself and be uh, persevere and uh, be persistent. Those those are probably the P's that I've applied in my life in everything I do. So if you can't do that, then it's not worth doing. Yeah, that's good. Russ, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. Sam, thank it. you. This has been wonderful. Appreciate it. There you have it. That is my conversation with Duck Donuts founder and CEO, Russ DeGilio. As always, go to qsrmagazine.com for all the news and insights you need for the QSR and fast casual restaurant industries. Go to qsrmagazine.com slash podcast for the entire fast forward archive. Or of course, you can get the entire archive on the app where you are listening to this right now. Please do rate the podcast, leave feedback, or email me at sam at qsrmagazine.com. That's all for today. We'll talk to you again next time.